Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going on the internet to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for the original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. And on that same drop-down menu, there is a link uh, to subscribe to an excellent daily email, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. <clears throat> My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this hall call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.20 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today, we are continuing our reading in Chapter 30, The New Beginning, with Section 4, Beyond All Idols. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for a remembrance of our lesson for the day, which today is Lesson 318. In me, salvation's means and end are one. And this is the point which I like to always like to ask Lori. Do you have an opening you'd like to offer this morning, Lori? I do, Lemoyne, and thank you for asking. In light of today's lesson, this piece from the Song of Prayer seemed just perfect. It's from Section 3, The Holiness of Healing. How holy are the healed, for in their sight their brothers share their healing and their love. Bringers of peace, the Holy Spirit's voice through whom he speaks for God, whose voice he is, such are God's healers. They but speak for him and never for themselves. They have no gift but those they have from God, and these they share because they know that this is what he wills. They are not special. They are holy. They have chosen holiness and given up all separate dreams of special attributes through which they can bestow unequal gifts on those less fortunate. Their healing has restored their wholeness so they can forgive and join the song of prayer in which the healed sing of their union and their thanks to God. In me, salvation's means and ends are one. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. And true. Thank you. Oh, my privilege. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lori. 
trying to remember that line. They are not special. They are human. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Back to work. Let's see this. Um, well, I'll go over the list of people we have today with us in reading. I have uh, Robin Marie, Fran, Lori, Judy, and Jessica. And with us in listening, I have uh, Karen and Ida. But remember, Yvonne is also reading, right? Okay, thank you. I too. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yvonne. Is there anyone else who's joined who would like to say good morning? Join the reading list or just say hi? Good morning, it's Harrison. I'm listening. Good morning, Harrison. Welcome. And uh, Micah and Roz and Michael Reed. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Micah. Yeah, you bet. Good morning, Micah. Good morning, Ida. <laughs> On the good ship lollipop. <laughs> okay. I'll go ahead and get us started with today's reading here in Chapter 30. The New Beginning, Section 4, Beyond All Idols. Starts with Paragraph 38. Idols are quite specific, but your will is universal being limitless, and so it has no form, nor is content for its expression in the terms of form. Idols are limits. They are the belief that there are forms which will bring happiness, and that by limiting is all attained. It, it is as if you said, I have no need of everything. This little thing I want and it will be as everything to me. And this must fail to satisfy, because it is your will that everything be yours. Decide for idols, and you ask for loss. Decide for truth, and everything is yours. Robin Marie. Chapter 30, The New Beginning, uh, 4, Beyond All Idols. Idols are quite specific, but your will is universal, being limitless. And so it has no form, nor is, con- or, nor is consent for its expression in the terms of form. Idols are limits. They are the belief that there are forms which will bring happiness and that by limiting is all attained. It is as if you said, 
quote, I have no need of everything. This little thing I want, and it will be as everything to me, unquote. And this must fail to satisfy, <clears throat> because it is your will <clears throat> that everything be yours. Decide for idols, and you ask for loss. Decide for truth, and everything is yours. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, 39. It is not form you seek. What form can be a substitute for God, the Father's love? What form can take the place of all the love in the divinity of God the Son? What idol can make two of what is one? And can the limitless be limited? You do not want an idol. It is not your will to have one. It will not bestow on you the gift you seek. When you decide upon the form of what you want, you lose the understanding of its purpose. So you see your will within the idol, thus reducing it to a specific form. Yet this could never be your will, because what shares in all creation cannot be content with small ideas and little things. Thank you, Robin Murray. And Fran. 39. It is not form you seek. What form can be a substitute for God, the Father's love? What form can take the place of all the love in the divinity of God, the Son? What idol can make two of what is one? And can the limitless be limited? You do not want an idol. It is not your will to have one. It will not bestow on you the gift you seek. When you decide upon the form of what you want, you lose the understanding of its purpose. So you see your will within the idol, thus reducing it to a specific form. Yet this could never be your will because what shares in all creation cannot be content with small ideas and little things. 40. Behind the search for every idol lies the yearning for a completion. Wholeness has no form because it is unlimited. To seek a special person or a thing to add to you to make yourself complete can only mean that you believe some form is missing. And by finding this, you will achieve completion in a form you like. This is the purpose of an idol, that you will not look beyond it to the source of the belief that you are incomplete. Only if you had sinned could this be so. For sin is the idea you are alone and separated off from what is whole. And thus it would be necessary for the search for wholeness to be made beyond the boundaries of limits on yourself. Thank you, friend. And Lori. Paragraph 40. Beyond the search for every idol lies the yearning for completion. Wholeness has no form because it is unlimited. To seek a special person or a thing to add to you, to make yourself complete, can only mean that you believe some form is missing. By finding this, you will achieve completion in a form that you like. This is the purpose of an idol, that you will not look beyond it to the source of the belief that you are incomplete. Only if you had sinned could this be so. 
For sin is the idea you are alone and separated off from what is whole. And thus it would be necessary for the search for wholeness to be made beyond the boundaries of the limits on yourself. 41. It never is the idol that you want, but what you think it offers you, you want indeed and have the right task for. Nor could it be possible it be not be denied. Your will to be complete is but God's will, and this is given you by being His. God knows not form. He can, cannot answer you in terms which have no meaning, and your will could not be satisfied with empty forms made but to fill a gap which is not there. It is not this you want. Creation gives no separate person and no separate thing the power to complete the Son of God. What idol can be called upon to give the Son of God what he already has? Thank you, Lori. And Judy. Yes, thank you, Lemoyne. It is never the it never is the idol that you want. But what you think it offers you, you want indeed, and have the right to ask for. Nor could it be possible it be denied. Your will to be complete is but God's will. And this is given you by being his. God knows not form. He cannot answer you in terms that have no meaning. And your will could not be satisfied with empty forms made but to fill a gap that is not there. It is not this you want. Creation gives no separate person and no separate thing the power to complete the Son of God. What idol can be called upon to give the Son of God what he already has? Completion is the function of God's Son. He has no need to seek for it at all. He has no need to seek for it at all. Beyond all idols stands his holy will to be but what he is. For more than whole is meaningless. If there were change in him, if he could be reduced to any form and limited to what is not in him, he would not be as God created him. What idol can he need to be himself? For can he give a part of him away? What is not whole cannot make whole. But what is really asked for... Wait a second, I lost my place. What is whole cannot make whole. But what is really asked for cannot be denied. Your will is granted, not in any form that would content you not, but in the whole completely lovely thought God holds of you. <laughs> Thank 
you. Thank you, Judy. And Jessica. <clears throat> Thank you. 42. Completion is the function of God's Son. He has no need to seek for it at all. Beyond all idols stands his holy will to be but what he is. For more than whole is meaningless. If there were change in him, if he could be reduced to any form and limited to what is not in him, he would not be as God created him. What idol can he need to be himself? For can he give a part of him away? What is not whole cannot make whole, but what is really asked for cannot be denied. Your will is granted, not in any form that would content you not, but in the whole completely lovely thought God holds of you. Nothing that God knows not exists. And what he knows exists forever, changelessly. For thoughts endure as long as does the mind that thought of them. And in the mind of God, there is no ending, nor a time in which his thoughts were absent or could suffer change. Thoughts are not born and cannot die. They share the attributes of their creator, nor have they a separate life apart from his. The thoughts you think are in your mind as you are in the mind which thought of you. And so there are no separate parts in what exists within God's mind. It is forever one, eternally united and at peace. Thank you, Jessica. And Yvonne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Nothing that God knows not exists. And what he knows exists forever, changelessly. For thoughts endure as long as does the mind that thought of them. And in the mind of God, there is no ending, nor a time in which his thoughts were absent or could suffer change. Thoughts are not born and cannot die. They share the attributes of their creator, nor have they a separate life apart from his. The thoughts you think are in your mind, as you are in the mind which thought of you. And so there are no separate parts in what exists within God's mind. It is forever one, eternally united and at peace. Thoughts seem to come and go, yet all this means is that you are sometimes aware of them and sometimes not. An unremembered thought is born again to you when it returns to your awareness. Yet it did not die when you forgot it. It was always there, but you were unaware of it. 
excuse me, my cat's getting in my face. <laughs> Sorry. An unremembered thought is born again to you when it returns to your awareness. Yet it did not die when you forgot it. It was always there, but you were unaware of it. The thought God holds of you is perfectly unchanged by your forgetting. It will always be exactly as it was before the time when you forgot and will be just the same when you remember. And it is the same within the interval when you forget. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne and Micah. Okay. Um, 44. Thoughts seem... Is that right? 44? I was... Yeah, I thought... Okay, Okay, thoughts seem to come and go. And yet all this means is, is that you are sometimes aware of them and sometimes not. An unremembered thought is born again to you when it returns to your awareness. Yet it did not die when you forgot it. It was always there, but you were unaware of it. The thought God holds of you is perfectly unchanged by your forgetting. It will always be exactly as it was before the time when you forgot and will be just the same when you remember. And it is the same within the interval when you forgot. 45. The thoughts of God are far beyond all change and shine forever. They await not birth. They wait for welcome and remembering. The thought God holds of you is like a star, unchangeable in an eternal sky. So high in heaven is it set that those outside of heaven know not it is there. Yet still and white and lovely will it shine through all eternity. There was no time it was not there, no instant when its light grew dimmer or less perfect ever was. Uh, Thank you, Micah. And is there a new reader who would like to read 45 and 46? New reader, 45 and 46. Okay, back to you, Robin Marie. I'll read it. Okay, family. Is that... Carla. Mm -hmm. Carla. Yeah, I'll read it for you. All right. 45. The thoughts of God are far beyond all change and shine forever. They await not birth. They wait for welcome and remembering. The thought God holds of you is like a star, unchangeable in an eternal sky. 
so high in heaven is it said that those outside of heaven know not it is there. Somebody, can somebody mute? I hear static. I still hear it. The thought of God, the thought God holds of you is like a star, unchangeable in an eternal sky, so high in heaven. Is it said that those outside of heaven know not it is there, yet still and white and lovely will it shine through all eternity. There was no time it was not there, no instant when its light grew dimmer or less perfect ever was. 46. <clears throat> Who knows the Father knows this life, for he is the eternal sky which holds it safe forever lifted up and anchored sure. Its perfect purity does not depend on whether it is seen on earth or heaven. Excuse me. Its perfect purity does not depend on whether it is seen on earth or not. The sky embraces it and softly holds it in its perfect place, which is as far from earth as earth from heaven. It is not the distance nor the time which keeps this star invisible to earth. But those who seek for idols cannot know this star is there. Amen. And thank you, Carla. And uh, well, is there another new reader for 46 and 47? Okay, back to you, Robin Marie. Forty-six. Who knows? Who knows the Father? Knows this life. For He is the eternal sky, which holds it safe, forever lifted up, and anchored sure. Its perfect purity does not depend on whether it is seen on earth or not, the sky embraces it and softly holds it in its place, in its perfect place, which is as far from earth as earth from heaven. It is not the distance nor the time which keeps the star invisible to earth, but those who seek for idols cannot know the star is there. 47. Beyond all idols is the thought God holds of you, completely unaffected by the turmoil and the terror of the world. The dreams of birth and death that here are dreams, the myriad of forms that fear can take. Quite undisturbed, the thought God holds of you remains exactly as it always was surrounded by a stillness so complete no sound of battle comes remotely near it rests in certainty and perfect peace here is your one reality kept safe completely unaware of all the world that worships idols and that knows not god in perfect sureness 
of its changelessness and of its rest in its eternal home, the thought God holds of you has never left the mind of its creator whom it knows as its creator knows that it is there. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Fran. 47. Beyond all idols is the thought God holds of you. Completely unaffected by the turmoil and the terror of the world, the dreams of birth and death that here are dreamed, the myriad of forms that fear can take, quite undisturbed, the thought of God holds of you remains exactly <clears throat> as it always was. Surrounded by a stillness so complete, no sound of battle comes remotely near, it rests in certainty and perfect peace. Here is your one reality kept safe, completely unaware of all the world that worships idols and that knows not God. In perfect sureness of its changelessness and of its rest in its eternal home, the thought God holds of you has never left the mind of its creator whom it knows as its creator knows that it is there. 48. What could the thought God hold of you exist? Excuse me. Where could the thought God holds of you exist but where you are? Is your reality a thing apart from you and in a world which your reality knows nothing of? Outside you, there is no eternal sky, no changeless star, and no reality. The mind of heaven's son in heaven is, for there the mind of father and son joined in creation, which can have no end. You have not two realities, but one, nor can you be aware of more than one. An idol or the thought God holds of you is your reality. Forget not then that idols must keep hidden what you are, not from the mind of God, but from your own. The star shines still. The sky has never changed. But you, the Holy Son of God himself, are unaware of your reality. Thank you, Brad. And Lori, would you bring us home there with 48? Oh, yes. 48. Where could the thought God holds of you exist but where you are? Is your reality a thing apart from you and in a world which your reality knows nothing of? Outside you, there is no eternal sky, no changeless star, and no reality. The mind of heaven's son in heaven is, for there the mind of father and son are joined in creation which can have no end. You have not two realities, but one. Nor can you be aware of more than one. An idol or the thought God holds of you is your reality. Forget not that idols must keep hidden what you are not from the mind of God but from your own the star shines still the sky has never changed but you the holy son of God himself are unaware of your reality okay well, thank you first first let me say thank you 
Wahoo Bread, and you are listening. Yeah. Lift this open here. Would you like to read uh, 48 again, Ida? Yeah, that's the last paragraph, right? Yes. If you'd like to read it, please read it. Okay, thanks. Okay. Where could the thought God holds of you exist but where you are? Is your reality a thing apart from you and in a world which your reality knows nothing of? Outside you, there is no eternal sky, no changeless star, and no reality. The mind of heaven's son in heaven is, for there the mind of father and of son joined in creation, which can have no end. You have not two realities, but one. Nor can you be aware of more than one. An idol or the thought God holds of you, is your reality. Forget not, then, that idols must keep hidden what you are, not from the mind of God, but from your own. The star shines still. The sky has never changed. But you, the Holy Son of God himself, are unaware of your reality. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Um, That was perfect for me, anyway, because I had to. Somehow, my word processor decided I didn't need all that fancy highlighting. (laughs) And yet, I was still able to recover it. So, thank you very much, Ida. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Well, okay, this is uh, chapter 30, The New Beginning and Beyond All Idols. And so first, uh, he starts with a definition of idols, some discussion of idols here. Read 38 again. Idols are quite specific, but your will is universal, being limitless. And so, your will has no form, nor is content for its expression in the terms of form. Idols are limits. They are the belief that there are forms which will bring happiness, and that by limiting is all attained. And this must fail to satisfy, because it is your will that everything be yours. Decide for idols, and you ask for loss. Decide for truth, and everything is yours. In 39, it is not form you seek. Can the limitless be limited? 
You do not want an idol. It is not your will to have one. It will not bestow on you the gift you seek. 40. Behind the search for every idol lies the yearning for completion. Wholeness has no form because it is unlimited. And this is the purpose of an idol, that you will not look beyond it to the source of the belief that you are incomplete. 41. It never is the idol that you want. But what you think it offers you, you want indeed and have the right to ask for. Nor could it be possible it be denied. Your will to be complete is but God's will, and this is given you by being His. Your will could not be satisfied with empty forms made but to fill a gap which is not there. There's not any of that, I mean, none of this that you want. <clears throat> Creation gives no separate person, no separate thing, the power to complete the Son of God. What idol can be called upon to give the Son of God what he already has? Okay, and then from 42, completion is the function of God's Son. He has no need to seek for it at all. Beyond all idols stands the Son of God's holy will to be but what He is. And what is not whole cannot make whole, but what is really asked for cannot be denied. Your will is granted, not in any form that would content you not, but in the whole, completely lovely thought God holds of you. Um, 43, nothing that God knows not exists. And what he knows exists forever changelessly. For thoughts endure as long as does the mind that thought of them. And in the mind of God there is no ending, nor a time in which his thoughts were absent or could suffer change. Thoughts are not born and cannot die. They share the attributes of their creator nor have they a separate life apart from his. The thoughts you think are in your mind as you are in the mind which thought of you. And so there are no separate parts in what exists within God's mind. It is forever one, eternally united and at peace. In 44, thoughts seem to come and go, yet all this means is that you are sometimes aware of them and sometimes not. An unremembered thought is born again to you when it returns to your awareness. Yet it did not die when you forgot it. It was always there, but you were unaware of it. 
The thought God holds of you is perfectly unchanged by your forgetting. It will always be exactly as it was before the time when you forgot, and it will be just the same when you remember. And it is the same within the interval in which you forgot. All right, and 45, the thoughts of God... One way of saying us. The thoughts of God are far beyond all change and shine forever. They await not birth. They wait for welcome and remembering. The thought God holds of you is like a star, unchangeable in an eternal sky. So high in heaven is it set that those outside of heaven know not it is there, yet still and white and lovely will it shine through all eternity. 46. Who knows the Father knows this light, for he is the eternal sky which holds it safe forever lifted up and anchored sure. Its perfect purity does not depend on whether it is seen on earth or not. It is not the distance nor the time which keeps this star invisible to earth. But those who seek for idols cannot know this star is there. And 47. Beyond all idols is the thought God holds of you. Completely unaffected by the turmoil and terror of the world, the dreams of birth and death that here are dreamed, the myriad of forms that fear can take, quite undisturbed, the thought God holds of you remains exactly as it always was. Surrounded by a stillness so complete, no sound of battle comes remotely near, it rests in certainty and perfect peace. Here is your one reality kept safe, completely unaware of all the world that worships idols and that knows not God. In perfect sureness of its changelessness and of its rest in its eternal home, the thought God holds of you has never left the mind of its creator whom it knows as its creator knows that it is there. 48. Where could the thought God holds of you exist but where you are? Is your reality a thing apart from you and in a world which your reality knows nothing of? Outside of you, there is no eternal sky, no changeless star, and no reality. The mind of heaven's son in heaven is, for there the mind of the father and son joined in creation, which can have no end. You have not two realities, but one, nor can you be aware of more than one. An idol, or the thought God holds of you, is your reality. Forget not, then, that idols must keep hidden what you are, not from the mind of God, but from your own. 
The stars shine still, the sky has never changed. But you, the Holy Son of God himself, can be unaware of your reality. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Well, thank you both. I know I've been a little bit past the top of the hour, but I really felt the need to emphasize the thought God holds with you. So, friend, if if you're ready, would you lead us in remembrance of our lesson for the day? Yes. Sure. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. And the theme that we're on now is what is the last judgment? And today's lesson is lesson 318. In me, salvation's means and end are one. So I shall read some from what is the last judgment. Christ's second coming gives the Son of God the gift to hear the voice for God proclaim that what is false is false and what is true is never changed. And this the judgment is in which perception ends. The final judgment on the world contains no condemnation, for it sees the world as totally forgiven, without sin, and wholly purposeless. Without a cause, and now without a function in Christ's sight, it merely slips away to nothingness. There it was born, and there it ends as well. And all the figures in the dream in which the world began, go with it. Bodies now are useless and will therefore fade away because the Son of God is limitless. God's final judgment is as merciful as every step in his appointed plan to bless his Son and call him to return to the eternal peace he shares with him. Be not afraid of love. This is God's final judgment. Quote, You are still my holy son, forever innocent, forever loving, and forever loved, as limitless as your creator and completely changeless and forever pure. Therefore, awaken and return to me. I am your father, and you are my son. We'll go over to the lesson now. Lesson 318, in me salvation's means and end are one. In me, God's holy son, are reconciled all parts of heaven's plan to save the world. What could conflict when all the parts have but one purpose and one aim? How could there be a single part that stands aside or one of more or less importance than the rest? I am the means by which God's Son is saved because salvation's purpose is to find the sinlessness which God has placed in me. I was created as the thing I seek. I am the goal the world is searching for. I am God's Son, His one eternal love. I am salvation's means and end as well. Let me today, my Father, 
take the role you offer me in your request, that I accept atonement for myself. For thus does what is thereby reconciled in me become as surely reconciled to you. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 318. In me, salvation's means and end are one. Let me today, my Father, take the role you offer me in your request that I accept atonement for myself. For thus does what is thereby reconciled in me become as surely reconciled to you. Lesson 318. In me, salvation's means and end are one. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. I just love this lesson. I have to read this little one part again. I am the goal the world is searching for. I am God's son, his one eternal love. I am salvation's means and end as well. So beautiful. I'm complete. Mm, thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Beautiful indeed. Thank you, Karen. Good morning, it's Karen. I was thinking, uh, I am eternal love. If I am eternal love, I'm formless, and I'm complete, and I'm whole. So I can have no idols, because if idols represent something I think I'm missing, or something I think... I need, I don't identify with my true self, which is I am eternal love. I am the one, the one self. In, I am just inside the one thought of God that is absolute completion, wholeness, everything beyond form. I'm complete. It's 
Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Good morning. This is Ida. Um, I read that last paragraph um, and at the end saying that the star is still in the sky and all these things, but the Son of God is unaware of his own reality. That made me feel sad. <laughs> but, but I thought about it also. and I mean, this year is 50 years since... Um, Helen finished, you know, completed the, the the channeling from Jesus, which created this book. And uh, I think we're more aware of our reality than, um, you know, our divine reality, which is our only real reality, this chapter says. We're more aware of our reality than... 50 years ago, let's say, when the book was first published, first came out to Edgar Cayce's son, the first one they gave it to. I forgot his name, but he's Edgar Cayce's son, so his last name is Cayce. <laughs> um, and I hope that's true. Um, otherwise, these years have been for nothing. And I really don't think they've been for nothing. A lot has happened in the outer world during these last five decades and uh, I was a teenager five decades ago, you know. Now I'm on Medicare, <laughs> you know, like we all are older or have been born since then and are older than when we were born. But um, I'm rambling, so I'm going to stop right there. Thank you so much. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Yeah. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. This is Sandra. And um, this reading and this lesson reminds me of another lesson, Seek Not Outside Yourself. Because everything is right here. It's like I'm I'm a... closed system that works perfectly as long as I remember my relationship to my source, to my creator. Once I forget that, all bets are off. So in me, salvation's means and ends are one. It means I have everything I need right here. I don't need to seek out there. However, if I don't have the foundation of that relationship between myself and my creator, then I'm lost. It just, it puts a a monkey wrench in the whole system. And then I start seeking something to make me feel whole and complete. And the only thing that can make me feel whole and complete is my relationship with God because God sees me as completely healed and whole 
and whole and innocent. And that's not how the world sees me. The world likes to judge me. And the world likes to define who I am. And I'd rather let God define who I am. It's much more loving and peaceful and comforting than the, world, than the way the world sees me. So I think I'm in good company. I'm complete. Beautiful share, Sandra. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. One of the things that uh, has become clear for me over the years of studying the Course is how Jesus constantly repeats himself. He knows how stuck I am in this belief system, this false belief system, thinking that we're bodies, that we're separate from God, that the tiny mad idea was indeed um, occurred, something happened, so over and over in the lessons and in the text, he's constantly reminding of who I am and what my role is in undoing this crazy belief system that we have adopted that sees ourselves as separate from God and separate from each other 
that sees ourselves as bodies in a world that changes, a world where there is death and conflict, sickness, all the evils of the world. And so, in these lessons and impacts, he tries to tell us in various ways uh, who we are. I remember in lesson 302, in talking about God, he the end we seek and he the means by which we go to him. In that lesson, God is both means and end. In this lesson, and mean salvation means and ends are one. So we are the means and end. And the end is God's Son as Christ. And the means of reaching Him, reaching God, is God's Son choosing to forgive himself for what? For believing that he's something else. And today's text reading is about who we actually are that we're not something else. We're not forms. Most of my life, I believe that there is nothing but form. I never questioned it. And all of our problems, any problem we seem to have, comes from the belief that we are form, and that forms have reality. And over and over, the Course is telling me, you are a thought of God. You are an idea in the mind of God. That's it. And he uses lots of ways to try and send that message home. 
he talks about idols. And an idol is something that replaces something else. An idol is an idea. And in the context of the course, it's an idea inconsistent with the truth. It's not reality. It is a false belief that we have created, created separate from God, separate from our, our true belief system. He says in 42, Completion is the function of God's Son. He has no need to seek for it at all. Beyond all idols stands his holy will to be but what he is. That's where this is leading us to. For more than whole is meaningless. If there were change in me and you, if we could be reduced to any form and limited to what is not in us, we would not be as God created us. It's getting a little noisy here, so I'm going to close with this. Nothing that God knows not exists. And what he knows exists forever changelessly. Amazing. He's talking about you and I. All God knows about us is what he created. And the world of noise and body is not what he created. And he doesn't know anything about it. He doesn't know anything about sickness and death, pain and suffering, war and peace. He knows nothing about that. And neither does ourselves 
as the Son of God to put a roof on my building. I'm complete. That was beautiful, Harrison. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Harrison. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Harrison. This is Micah. I, uh, boy, I, this is an exciting uh, experience reading this section. I, I was surprised how uh, these words allowed my awareness to go back into a holy instant that I had in the past and allow me to re-look at this experience that occurred of a mind a, a, a unified mind, one with the Father's mind, that was holding holographically the creation of a time-space dimension. And I was able to, just now during our you know, reading, I was, the awareness was able to go back and look at it and, and go even deeper into it through these words. And it reminded me of when Spirit was teaching me about this was a dream. And I would wake up in the morning and still be laying in bed. And Spirit would say, let's go back and look at your dreams at night. And they would, the awareness would rewind to a a particular dream. Uh, It just seemed to appear which one was the appropriate dream. And I realized I had not, I, I remembered dreaming the dream, but I, had forgotten it, and I was not awake during the dream, but I was able to revisit the dream and look at all its detail. And Spirit started teaching me again uh, how to look at the dream. And it was all about seeing the laws of the dream. You know, you can dream the laws of water. You can dream the laws of gravity because you know the laws. And... and um, and it corresponds to our daytime dream, this, this co-creation dream that we're having with, with God. Uh, I just want to read a few of those quotes of, um, let's see, uh, decide but to accept your rightful place as co-creator of the universe. Another one, the world was made as a projection outward of God. And the mind creates all things that are. And this this movement into mind uh, is our, our awakening. Like as he, it seemed like he was saying it so clearly here at at the end of. Uh, let's see, I think it's in the transformed world where he said, "Let me turn there." Uh, Therefore, awaken. Therefore, awaken and return to me. And this awakening is is this movement into mind. 
that, that this feeling of that we're sitting in time and space right now is a projection, a creation of this mind, and we are co-creators. And just a few mind quotes that um, stood out. Because uh, this movement, we mustn't, I mustn't forget that I am mind. And uh, he says, um, I, I read these a lot, but they're, they're worth they're worth meditating on every almost every moment. Anyway, it says, yet I do want to share my mind with you because we are of one mind, and that mind is capitalized, and that mind is ours. See only this mind everywhere because only this is everywhere and in everything. It is everything because it encompasses all things within itself. Blessed are you who perceive only this because you perceive only what is true. And this world is holographic and, and it exists in this mind. And we're just dreaming of perception. And we've gone into the I've gone into the petri dish. And and but yet I can feel through this reading I feel again that reality of the mind that's creating all this. And he says, uh, another quote, help them by offering them your unified mind, uh, mind on their behalf, as I am offering you mine on behalf of yours. Alone we can do nothing, but together our minds fuse into something whose power is far beyond the power of its separate parts. By not being separate, the mind of God is established in ours and as ours. This mind is invincible because it is undivided. And uh, one, one more on the mind here. What has been given you? That the knowledge that you are mind, in mind, and purely mind, sinless forever, wholly unafraid, because you were created out of love. And I wanted to go back to uh, the, the last judgment where it was, it was saying, Christ's second coming gives the Son of God the gift to hear the voice for God proclaim that what is false is false and what is true has never changed. And this holographic world is like a dream. And um, let's see... And this the judgment is in which perception ends. Well, no longer is the awareness stuck into the petri dish looking out of a body, but it is the vision of the mind itself that sees its creation and is one with it. Um, At first you see a world which has accepted this as truth projected from a now-corrected mind. Projected from a now corrected mind. And with this holy sight, perception gives a silent blessing and then disappears. Its goal accomplished and its mission done. And yet the mind is still awake. And it sees in a very very neutral, like, like a mirage on a desert, it sees these forms dancing and moving. And it's like, it's neutral. And it, it's part of its creative nature to, you know, even even if the mirage fades away, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna create something. 
you know, it's, it's nature to play and, and um, be alive like that. Um, and before I close here real quick, let me just see if there were some highlights in our reading that I could touch on. Um, yeah, it all, it all it all started to kind of come alive when when this part here was read, where it said, uh, uh, "God knows not form." I thought, what does that mean? You know, when I, you know, compared to those experiences of where the mind holographically is creating the illusion of a world, and it, and I realized it, it's uh, God knows we're one in this amazing mind, and but it's not like form is solid. Form is like a dream in that mind, just like our dreams at night, you know, and, and it and it's not solid at all. Um, so that's where I went on that. I mean, there's probably people that might see it differently. But, um, and then in paragraph 43, it says, uh, The thoughts you think are in your mind as you are in the mind which thought of you. And so there are no separate parts in which exist within God's mind. It is forever one, eternally united and at peace. And this mind, that mind is exactly that way. And um, and then, oh, this this is amazing here. Beyond all idols is the thought God holds of you, completely unaffected by the turmoil and terror of the world, the dreams of birth and death, that here are dreamed in the myriad of forms that fear can take. Quite undisturbed, the thought God holds of you remains exactly as it always was. Surrounded by a stillness so complete, no sound of battle comes remotely near. It rests in certainty and perfect peace. Here is your one reality kept safe, completely unaware of all the world that worships idols. And that in that mirage of, of a world dimension of time space in this mind it it, do, it doesn't touch it doesn't touch that other part that is changeless and eternal um, it's, it's quite startling so anyway that I guess uh, uh, there's more but um, I'm, I'm gonna stop Thanks. oh that, those were so lovely Thank you, Micah. Yes, yes. Thank you, Micah. It was fun. Hmm? Yeah. Thanks, Micah. And particularly for getting back to that first sentence of paragraph 47, um, which <laughs> answers the... Uh, the implied question of the title, Beyond All Idols. You know, what is Beyond All Idols? Beyond All Idols is the thought God holds of you. And, you know, I was thinking about this and getting ready. Um, it, it doesn't say behind the idol, even though the idols distract us. But that distraction is just the narrowing of our focus onto the idol. It's, it's not like the thought is hiding. While you were finishing that 
your share. I got this, this lovely picture that it's all complete and, you know, all the forms which um, inevitably will pass that that we hold as, as idols. It, for myself, like I could just see my, they're kind of shaped like bowling pins and boring, sort of all the same, sort of a very poor image of a person, perhaps like a Russian nesting doll. And that I had a bunch of those and I've been playing with those, but if I just lift my head up, it's like they're just, toys in in the face of the reality of the unicity of the way this holds together that that uh, that the thoughts of God are eternal and they exist within uh the mind of God, as I would say it. Lovely statement. In, the mind of heaven's son in heaven is, for there the mind of father and son joined in creation, which can have no end. And, yeah. It's just, uh, it became very clear that... Um, you know, the playpen of illusion is entirely within the house of truth. <laughs> and it was a, a peaceful and freeing thought as well. It's, I I think the thing is that he, that uh, I want to emphasize or bring out that's not stated here, but that what we call the ego, you know, is an idol to ourself being separate alone and therefore must we be fearful and that that is merely an idea that we created alone and is not in some sense it's not even related to what the reading was about today but this is it's distractive power and uh that this beyond doesn't, I, I think to get back to my first point, the beyond is not behind. It's not way over yonder. It's the beyond that where that thought of God exists surrounds everything and holds it up. And the, that idea of beyond is primarily about our perception. Beyond our willingness to try and narrow it down to special things, which is, it's just beyond that because it's everywhere. And it's not narrow or limited, but complete. And this idea that completion is our function. And like forgiveness, forgiveness, being, you know, merely the resurrection of the idea of acceptance and opens the door to the completion 
that is the function behind forgiveness. Anyway, I'm complete with that. Thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah, all was just so great, Lemoyne. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That was pretty wonderful. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Well, I think to add, the thought God holds of you remains exactly as it always was. Surrounded by a stillness so complete, no sound of battle comes remotely near. It rests in certainty and perfect peace. Thanks for that. Thank you, Maureen.
there's some people we haven't heard from. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, this sky and star um, representation of holding is so beautiful. Um, I hadn't given it much thought before. Um, but I think uh, I think today, uh, in the lines of accepting atonement for myself, this section becomes an invitation to realize um, how grand a movement that is for the soul. How is man who remembered the soul and its knowledge? And um, I'm reading something right now. Rita talked about it last week. But maybe this is what I want to share because it's just touching me so deeply this morning. The book is Love Letters to Your Soul. And, I, you know, I've said that before, that before we came here, it's like our soul invested in our heart-mind all sorts of um, calls to love that this life represents the opportunity to achieve. The soul is always, um, as he says here, unlimited. Absolutely and totally unlimited. And uh, the perfection of the manifestation of God in a life is the adventure that we're set on. And um, the sky um, metaphor is such a beautiful um, illustration of both the massive potential of the soul in love, but also perfect embrace in which the thoughts of God are held, the capital T thoughts of God are held. And so I'll just, I'll just, um, if it's not too soon, I, I want to end um, my share anyway with this piece from Love Letters to Your Soul from Crystal Ray. She writes, you are a being of light, born of light in an ocean of love. To come into beingness is the greatest of gifts. To be born, to be part of the sky, to know love, to be loved, to choose love, to enjoy the unique opportunity of walking through the darkness as a path to the light for the purpose of love. 
Yes, we are children of the sky, progeny of a loving creator, radiant light traveling to the furthest reaches of the universe for the absolute joy of the journey, God's own evolution in the making. We are the sky, we are alive, life, we are the breath of God, love expressed in every possible way. Those things that um, <laughs> what I want to say is this. I'm learning to say yes to everything with the understanding that it's all perfect. That I'm perfect that you're perfect, that life is perfect, that God is perfect, that it's all innocent, and above all, it's all holy, because it's all manifesting in the mind of God. Those things to which I would say no are my blessings to discover that, oh yes, even this, yes, even this, yes, even this, yes that all suffering and pain and misunderstanding comes from saying no, from resisting, from being hard and fast and unmovable. Um, that the joy is the nature of the journey, especially, especially when I don't resist those things that ego would like to resist because I'm on a path of discovering the ego is nothing and the soul is everything. The soul is in a state of grace forever and that is our only reality. Hmm. In the sky, held by the sky. How unlimited is that? I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. That's beautiful. Yes. Nice way to end. Yeah, thank you, Lori. There Thank you, Lori. A, Go ahead. Um, yeah, there is a there is a line in the course which I often <laughs> have trouble finding when I search for it, but I know it's there. It's a, or at least it's there in the meaning that the ego is not overcome by destruction, but by you know it's not overcome by resistance and destruction but by a quiet melting in. But it just doesn't... Anyway, this is, I believe, is a description of what there is to melt into. You know, the thought God holds of you is the way to... It is, it is in fact, a way. It's not the way 
in the sense that it has a path to be traveled, <clears throat> but more of a way of being. To, if you think of it in terms of worldly ways, <laughs> it's like the ways in the shipyard that the ship slides down into the ocean to become a ship. That that melting in is not anything really new. It does change all of life and make everything appear new, but it is just a restoral of our being to its true nature. Anyway, I'm complete. No, oh, that was beautiful, Lemoyne. Yeah, thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Lemoyne. That was beautiful. Our true nature. Oh, boy. Amen. <laughs> well, I'm finished where I started, but just saying thanks, y'all, for being here, reading, listening, sharing, however you're here. Um, Lori, do you have a specific clothes, Chris, today? Um, let's see. Yeah, I do. I, I really, um, I really landed right here from chapter 15. How can you, who are so holy, suffer? All your past except its beauty is gone and nothing is left except a blessing. You can indeed depart in peace because I have loved you as I love myself. You go with my blessing and for my blessing. Hold it and share it, that it may always be ours. I place the peace of God in your heart and in your hands to hold and share. The heart is pure to hold it and the hands are strong to give it. We cannot lose my judgment is as strong as the wisdom of God, in whose heart and hands we have our being. His quiet children are his blessed sons. The capital thoughts of God are with you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Laurie.